Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. This is our second edition of Moving Road to the Trials over to the Rambling Runner feed, and today we are talking to Danny Moreno. If you haven't heard her previous episodes, uh, go over to the Road to the Trials feed, check them out. She is an amazing runner, one of the best uh, trail runners in the world who is trying her hand uh, at the uh, at the road stuff a little bit this year. But that's not quite what she's doing right now. As you'll hear, she has had a whirlwind over the last two or three months uh, preceding what will be for her one month from now going to uh, UTMB for that starting line of running OCC. We'll be checking up with her right before that race. And obviously we'll talk to her afterwards as well. So a lot of Danny Moreno in your future, which means your future is looking very bright because Danny is one heck of a person and absolutely phenomenal runner. Also, as you'll hear in one of our ad reads, uh, Lagoon Sleep is going to be doing a awesome new challenge starting on August 8th, the 8 by 8 by 8 challenge. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. So please join me in that. If you go to lagoonsleep.com slash 8 by 8 by 8 that's 8x8x8. Um, just a lot of good stuff over there. Can't wait to be part of that. So let's get into it with Danny Moreno. All right, Danny, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Normally we talk like, hey, this is about running specific stuff. That's the whole point of the Road of the Trials podcast. With that said, your life stuff is like far more like in intriguing right now than the running stuff. And the running stuff is super intriguing. But like you got some big races on the calendar. Those are coming up fast. We can definitely talk about those and all of that. But like life stuff abounding at this point right i don't even know if abounding is a word i'm just excited i'm making up words just to fill the space <laughs> but you know we last time you were on the show we did like our post boston recap so you like really went into detail on that that was super helpful and since then my goodness dandy like where do you want to start like life stuff all over the place yeah it's been an incredible year it's been a different year but i think also necessary i feel that you know at times we feel like we should constantly be pushing and reorganizing our schedule, at least for me around races and, and seeing where things fit in. I feel like this year has forced me to slow down and it's given me a lot of retrospect, just how hard I've been going since 2021. Um, and it's been really nice. Uh, the, the body is catch, caught up and one of the most amazing things happened in my life in May. I got married to my partner, Mike. Um, and that's just, I mean, anyone who has experienced marriage or the act of having a ceremony, whether, you know, you go just you two or, or in front of 50, 100 people that you love, um, it's just, it's so magical that moment and I'll cherish it forever, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm so happy that I got to give that event the time and space that I felt it deserved and some. Yeah. Yeah, obviously that's a, a huge day. And also it's not something that just can happen for most people spontaneously. So it, it didn't come up in our conversations before Boston or even after Boston. So what's been like the, what was the planning process like for wedding day and how much of a, I guess, investment in your life was that in terms of like the time allotment and like the, the mental and emotional allotment and all of that? Yeah, it definitely was something. It was nearly almost exactly uh, a month post Boston. Um, and it was something that was always on my mind, but it was something I was always excited about. And I luckily had a lot of help from my mom because it was near where my parents live, like very close. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I was planning, but it was, it was always fun. And it didn't really, I guess the only time it felt stressful a little bit was like two weeks out because you have to find like, say final, you have to finalize a lot of stuff. Um, so just making sure we were sure on that. But I don't know, to me, what was just most important is that we got married, everything else, you know, whether it happened to what we thought or not really didn't matter to me, to be honest. Um, and if most everyone could arrive on time, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, it was something that post Boston, I was extremely looking forward to. Oh, that is great. Yeah, it's especially if you can have it so it's not a drag on you, like mentally and emotionally as you're getting ready. Because yeah, you're, you, these other parts of your lives, right? It's like, but the Boston Marathon's hard enough without having like yeah. additional well, stress put on top of it, <laughs> and the fact that like you weren't able to run outside yeah. leading into Boston, which yeah. is like already a, a challenge. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that you brought that up because 
after the wedding, I definitely had a big down. And I think it was not, I wasn't, it wasn't because I just got married, but it was, you know, the culmination of the mental and emotional um, strength and I don't know, strength, but also kind of wear and tear on my, on myself throughout the entire winter of trying to make Boston happen uh, more so because for me in the trail and mountain running world, I really try to avoid committing to a race and having to pull out. And usually I pull out if it's extremely necessary for, usually it's like my longevity as an athlete. Um, maybe something came up at work that I just cannot miss, etc. So there's been, that's very far in, uh, in between that I actually pull out races. That's all to say when I got into Boston, I didn't feel that kind of security, um, respectfully so. Like I'm not a road-focused professional runner. And I felt that because I had been given that opportunity, if I can just get to the line, that's really in the end what I thought that moment and opportunity deserved. So even throughout the winter, if I kept telling my coach, I was like, man, if this is a trail race, I would be pulling out just because... I know I'm not coming to the line as my best self, but because it's Boston, we're just going to make it happen. So I think that took a very unique mental approach that I haven't done in a really long time. That It felt more like college where I felt like I always had to be at the line. And I still was very excited about it. I'm like, I got into freaking Boston. Like, I'm going to get to that line. So it was, it was balancing those, those two mindsets. So, you know, going from that in the winter of <laughs> snow up to my knees and running to the gym to get four miles on the treadmill uh, to then the elation of the emotional swing that comes with getting married uh, after May, everything kind of settled down. I was like, whoa, that was a big five months. <laughs> um, so much so that I ended up pulling out of, and this is there the example, um, Mont Blanc Marathon, something that I had on my calendar going into the new year, that was going to be my big first trail race of the year. I did it last year. I podiumed and the goal was to podium again, if not do better. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up pulling out just because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't in the best interest for me for now, but also the next three, six, nine months. Yeah. Let's talk about like when to and how to make that decision. Right. Cause you know, like Boston's a great example of this, right? So Boston's coming up. You're not having the training block that you want, not because you're not healthy, but just the circumstances were crazy. It was the snowiest, snowiest month in Mammoth Lakes history or, or something right? yeah. it's like the, the snowiest place on the planet for like yes. two months. Right. Yes. So, I mean, that's that's not hyperbole. That's like a fact. Yeah, so, it's an actual fact. So, so that's that's a wild situation. Like, could you yeah. leave it this way? If you were a road focused runner, could you imagine a, like a situation where you're like, OK, this just isn't working the way I want it to. Like I want to maybe try to get into grandma's or maybe another race that's kind of down the line. Whereas like, obviously with, with trail, like you, you have trail commitments over the summer, like grandma's is not a hand in glove fit from a time perspective, the way maybe Boston is because you have the couple months lag after the fact. Yeah, exactly. If I was a road focused runner and had the pedigree of some of those runners that were there, um, I know that it's still, again, pulling out of the race is not something I take lightly. Uh, mm. Mont Blanc is the first one in a while that I've done that. Um, but yeah, it's probably something I would have considered. Because uh, when I look at myself as a mountain runner, um, that was probably would have been like an A goal sort of thing. And you want to be prime for A goals. You're not just showing up for the sake of ramping up into another race or yeah, you don't want to like piecemeal together an angle. Um, so yeah, I probably would have shifted. But yeah, being the trail and mountain runner, that is my focus. Uh, Boston was slotted into the perfect time. The only other marathon that kind of fit was the Ottawa marathon. But that was literally a week to the day after my wedding. And that was definitely going to be a no-go. Honeymoon uh, in Canada. Let's yeah, do it. exactly. <laughs> but also just like the, emo the emotions that come with a big a life event like that. I just knew I, I, it's like it's going to be a hit or miss situation. And it's probably 80% chance going to be a miss just to be like realistic with myself. Yeah. So you don't take pulling out of a race, you know, lightly. And, and, yeah. nobody, and nobody does, frankly. Yeah. Especially a big race like that, a race that you've done well in before, 
that's you know a key race for someone in your situation. So when you're in that when you're in the process of making that decision of like whether or not to pull out, what I guess what t- walk me through the logistics of it because it's not just like say if I pull out a race, I just don't go, right? Like if I'm like, I sent for a 5K, I can't run the 5K, I just don't show up at the starting line. What's it like for you? Because you have like, it, it's the Golden Trail race. You have, oh, see, it has been the past. Is the Golden Trail race again this year? Yes, okay. it was. Um, yeah. yeah, you've you've the Adidas Terex team. That's a major part of this as well. Like, walk me through the logistics of making that decision. Yeah, so the first thing I have learned about myself is that I usually give it three to five days before I engage with my coach just to make sure it's not kind of like spur of the moment, like, oh, today was hard. Maybe I shouldn't race. Um, And I start to really think, do I have at least like three to five reasons as to why I shouldn't race? And again, this is for a big race. This isn't like showing up to your local 5K or 10K. Um, So I gave myself that time. And then uh, I mentioned it to my coach um, because he, we're a team. Like, it's not, yeah, it's not like he's dictating what I'm doing and like, same the other way like everything needs to be working work cohesive in our decisions um so i told him all the reasons and he completely agreed he's like yeah i I couldn't agree more i I think you need to trust your gut um because there's been some cases where i haven't trusted my gut um there's like two main ones in the past where then i raced and i was like why did i why did i do that i i knew the right decision and i still forced it um so this was me <laughs> making an attempt to progress as a human. Will I make that mistake again? Probably at some point. Um, but anyways, so then after that, it was a matter of uh, talking with my team manager because I had already committed to the race from like my athlete profile calendar in a way um, and then got support there. And then from that point, I, I talked to the person who was kind of the head of the golden trail um to let them know because then that actually means like i'm not really committing to the golden trail this year um because that was going to be one of my two main races to get points um so that was that was probably the hardest part in all of the decision realizing that was going to be the the end result is like oh i'm not doing golden trail this year but you know there's always next year uh so i'll, I'll refocus the next year yeah, is there a way to like is that finalized or is there a way to kind of jerry rig some some of those races back into your schedule? I know the Golden Trail series has also moved more towards um uh, or you know you know they've um incorporated more American races maybe than they have in the past, uh, American based races I should say. Um so is there a way to like kind of fix that as you go or is that once that decision is made it's kind of finalized for the season? Yeah, it's I could do that, but I don't think it is good for my longevity as an athlete. Like I definitely could, um, like you said, there's four races left and I could kind of um, force it if I wanted to. But going back to that mindset that, you know, I have basically this one main A goal for H1 of this year, it bleeds a little bit more to like Q3, which is OCC. um, And that's end of August. And so the two races that are left before it, to me, don't benefit that race um, from either the terrain type, which is the Dolomites race. Uh, it's a very steep uphill for 10 to 12K. The and pictures then... from the Dolomites race are insane. Like all yeah, of the races insane. are insane. They're all insane. They all have like the most picturesque things like they yeah. are made. The Golden Trail series is made for Instagram. I mean, the yes. pictures coming out of these races are incredible. The Dolomites one in particular, I'm like, it takes my breath away when I see these pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an incredible place for sure. And people have like their training camps there too, right? Some of the some of the teams and some of the sponsors. Yeah, and you know, with this course in particular, uh, it's like 10 to 12 k up. I forget what it is exactly, and then you descend on the other side. It's a very technical descent, but you can pick whatever line you want because it's uh, innately a sky race. And I would say like some traditional sky races have that um, as just like a thing that 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 happens on those courses. And so in this race in particular, you actually have to do the course before the race. Um, It's somewhat of a requirement. I don't know if they check or how they check. Um, So I have some friends that are like doing that this week. Um, So yeah, there's that race. But it also lands 
very close to a race that I'm here in Europe for now, where I have to get what's called a UTMB stone. Anyone who's participating in the UTMB series is very aware that they've created a lot of new rules and red tape. Um, and so for me, I got on the podium last year. And so my requirement is that I have to race one of those races. I don't have to podium, but I still have to race one of those races. So that takes out Dolomites. Um, and then the next one is Sierra's now, and that's three weeks out from OCC. Oh. And that's like, I could do it, but I don't, I, I believe to be my best self at OCC, I shouldn't race it. And it seems like um, a great race to prepare for OCC, but is it just like the timing makes it tricky? Yeah, it's the timing. And also um, that means I'd be in Europe uh in a couple more weeks so i'd go back home and i'd jump on a plane what seems like the next day uh which for again just like longevity in the year i've learned isn't the best thing because i've done that before um and mammoth is a pretty difficult place to get to <laughs> uh so yeah so then there's that aspect and also even though Sears now is like short and punchy it's still two hours and change if you're a really good woman like run under three hours effort um right. So I rather, yeah, I rather spend that energy at OCC. Yes, and then we close. have OCC, which is you know the little nest egg for this year that I'm nurturing and very excited to do. And, and people then, don't know. I know a lot of people who listen to this know you, and they know the series really well. OCC people who don't know was one of the three main races for UTMB weekend. So you have the UTMB like you know full you know loop around the mountain, roughly 105 miles or so. You have CCC and OCC, and I just love the naming of it because it's literally like. It says where it goes from and where it goes to. People are like, what's, what's the initial stand for? It's like the location of the start of the race and then where you're going to the end, which I think exactly. is a great yeah. a great nomenclature. Yes, exactly. And OCC is kind of the unbespoken uh, world championship for kind of like that 50K distance. Um, the world championships, uh, luckily, I think are garnering more respect in recent years, uh, where it's traditionally kind of... Um, the sponsors would dictate kind of where athletes go depending on who sponsored what series and where athletes are incentivized. Um, so anyways, OCC, I think is now kind of getting closer to being parallel to world champs, whereas even two years ago it was kind of more elevated. But with that being said, it's kind of like our Super Bowl uh, for, for mountain running, which is, you know, incredibly exciting. Um, so yeah, I'll be there doing that. And then the final two races of Golden Trail, why I'm not doing them is like one is two weeks after and one is three weeks after. And um, I might- And one I'm of those like, must break your heart, Danny Moreno. One of those yes. must absolutely <laughs> break your heart. I could, I'm so glad you're bringing it up because I was like, should I go to her? Is that like another yeah. episode? But tell people one of these races you're not going to be able to do. Yeah. Hey folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons, and trail running festivals at national parks around the country and week-long running adventures all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12k trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high like high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, his, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, just these things. They offer a, just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20-minute mile pace. So as long as, you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all all-inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip, and they just announced their full 2024 calendar, which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia, so many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code Rambling15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code Rambling200 for the global adventures and Rambling15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. 
Well, I'm hoping that I might actually still do that one. Um, but if I don't do it, yes, it'll break my heart. So it's in Pike, Pikes Peak, and then there's Mammoth Lakes, which, you know, to have a world-class field. Your hometown. Your hometown <laughs> is having a gold trail event. Yeah, it's uh, – I'm going to try as best as I can to recover after OCC uh, to do that race, um, even if it's just, like, you know, for fun. It's going to be hard for me to do it just for, you know, You used to do the VK instead? Yeah, maybe. yeah like, like, there's like a whole suite of races, right? I mean, it's yeah. just like it's awesome. There's the 23 6k, 23k, and then the 50k, and then yeah, the climb up dragon's back. Um, I don't know if I do the VK, I do that run so much by myself that <laughs> I don't know if I want to race it. Um, but yeah, my goal is to be recovered from OCC by that point. Um, but again, I just I don't want to force anything, even you know, really. I've been really focusing this year on separating my emotional angst to race and be competing at, you know, with the best in the world, uh, what I feel like is constantly and managing that with the realist uh, mentality of, you know, I'm, I want my body to be able to do this at a high level for, you know, a handful more years. Um, and so if that means, you know, taking stuff like that off my calendar, I think that's necessary. I, I really believe that your peak can be higher if you can like focus on seeing the bigger picture sometimes. We're seeing it over and over again. I mean, we're just, yeah. I mean, in the past month, right, we've seen Kira D'Amato set the U.S. half marathon record. We've seen Courtney DeWalter in her mid to late 30s prove that she's maybe maybe the best women's endurance athlete of all time um you know not even running just like just any endurance sport it's like you know and you, so you have certainly have a lot of years left if you want to pursue it so it's it is really exciting at the same time i got to imagine your love for mammoth and the fact that this race yeah. is taking off so quickly I, it, it went from yeah. like i feel like it went from like tim tollison's brainchild to like one of the biggest events in the world it felt like in four days um <laughs> the fact that that's that has to be like a you know a race i would assume that you would target in later years as like hey this has to be on the calendar like why how could it not be yeah <laughs> oh definitely and i um yeah my goal this year is to completely convince them to keep it on the golden trail calendar um not to like toot my own ho- own horn but i feel like last year i was working as a double agent within the golden trail series trying <laughs> to i would bring up mammoth whenever i could they're like but where do we go next year i was like well you know there's this little town uh they're like don't you live there i was like yeah don't worry about it though it's just crazy little no, town. i'm la i'm la <laughs> yeah i'm la i'm la <laughs> Um, and then it was really cool because when they were finalizing the calendar last year, the, um, series organizer, he, um, messaged me and he's like, all right, tell me about mammoth. And I had my chance to like say all the reasons why it should be that race. Um, and then I was like, you got to talk to Tim Tolson now. Was Tim, was Tim like in the room? Was he like holding up cue cards? Like say yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't, but we'd go on some runs. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm talking to them now. And then, you know, the final thing was logistics. Like, how can we connect Pikes Peak and Mammoth uh, Lakes to where it makes sense for international athletes to come? And so that, I feel like, was a combination of me and Tim Tolfson being like, all right, you can fly Denver to Fresno, and or you could go Denver to San Francisco and make a cool trip out of San Francisco, drive through Yosemite. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's, it came to fruition that's, you know, they're doing some version of that this year. For sure. Yeah. So obviously Katie Asmith is a, you know, again, someone else from Mammoth who was like huge and huge in the ultra running scene, trail scene, um, as well. Uh, you know, our friend from the road of the trials, Nico Montagna is also a Mammoth Lake. Yes. Again, the trail is not his bag. I'm not, but I gotta, I gotta wonder though, what could he do on the VK? Right, if you can say, yeah, "Hey, don't worry about totally. any technical descents. You just power output, just go." Right, like I, what? I what mean, could what could someone in that situation do? I guess just generally speaking, we're going a little off topic here, but like, yeah. I know I've heard like stories of like really good cyclists who've been able to put out some really good times in Strava segments of like just going uphill. Right, we're not worrying about technique; it's just about power output and fitness. I wonder what someone in that situation who isn't used to trail, but is obviously is a professional runner, could do in that situation where their technical abilities may be less of an issue in in certain races. Yeah, I mean that's the event that I usually recommend to people who are interested in trail but are, 
you know, a little bit worried about the downhill. Um, I would say to most of my road friends, I usually, uh, yeah, recommend the VK. And I think- Do any of them take you up on that suggestion? I haven't had any take me up yet. <laughs> but to, I know yeah, Grayson Murphy does it, but she's an, she's a, she's an exceptional case. She doesn't really fit yeah, into yeah. that paradigm. Yeah, and steeplechasers tend to uh, carry over well to the trails because they're used to that like depth perception. Yeah, we get Carmen Peller out there too. She's part of Road of the yeah. Trails. Road of the Trials. Exactly. She's out there. Yeah. It's, called, it's called Road of the Trails. That's what my that's what my phone auto corrects it to. When every time I type Road of the Trials, it corrects it to Road of the Trails. Because um, Carmen actually just made the final in the world uh, the world championships in the steeple. She just made the final that's- last night oh, or this morning. Whoa. That's awesome. I didn't But I think, I, I like you said, like this is like this is this is the move, right? It's like it's steeple to trail. Like that's like that's the yeah. move. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I feel like Nico could do well though. I think his PR in the half is like one oh one. Uh yeah. I feel like that fair pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Fitness ability is not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um all right, so obviously that that's there's a lot there from a scheduling perspective, and we'll definitely dive into OCC later. Maybe we can talk, come up, come back on like in five weeks or so, you know, when the yeah. race is around the corner. With that said, beyond like getting married is a huge thing. You've been you're you're, you're in Europe right now. You just you're you just traveled there a couple of days ago. Also, another big life change. Tell me about the the, the job status. Yeah, so I quit my. A tech job. I was working as a senior technical program manager for this company called uh, Procore Technologies, which was a cloud-based construction software. Um, and my career kind of went through some different uh, areas of program management, but ultimately I've been in mergers and acquisitions, or I was in mergers and acquisitions for the last like year and a half. Um, but yeah, I just, I decided it was time to take a full chance on myself and, you know, the running career. Uh, Trail running is a quickly growing space. Um, And to me, it's just such a unique and plentiful opportunity for those of us who already are in the space, know how it works, etc. And to be a part of it, to make sure that it grows in a way that is sustainable and hopefully accessible to anyone who's interested. Um, And I feel like there's been very few sports in the last decade that have been growing at the pace that trail running has. And there's a lot of ways, I think it's been going great so far, but now we're at a point where we can, it can perpetuate in a very good way or start going south. And I felt for where I am right now, like I'd also want to be active in trying to make sure that it stays on a more righteous and fair path. Um, so yeah, I, I just, you know, it's that. And then, you know, we, I have my podcast with MK Sullivan, the sub hub, and that's been so fun. Um, and I'd like to invest more time there. And then, um, yeah. And then obviously being an athlete and trying to get the most out of myself, I think it's just, like I said, it's such a fun time in the sport because we're still at that nexus where it still feels very much like a grassroots sport while it's being professionalized in the in the, at the same time. And um, yeah, you know, there's a part of me that tickles my heart in that I hope it is in the Olympics while I'm still uh, participating in it at a high level. So that's also been something I've been thinking of, uh, you know, if it happens in the next decade or so can I make sure that I'm still at this level and I felt that you know having the full-time tech job and this I was starting to feel pretty worn down um, especially in these last two years because I've traveled to Europe so many times um, that when I began this year I was like oh this is I don't think this is gonna work forever Um, it's not that I don't think it's possible but I think for me uh, I felt like it was a good time to press pause on the tech career and return to it at a time when I feel like I'm I'm excited about it again. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I know there's plenty of people who, who kind of wrestle with that, um, yeah. that, that decision. And when you're going through that decision matrix, like, does this work? Does this not work? Is this the right time? Or should I look forward to a different time? And um, that can get tricky. With that said... I don't know if you can hear my dog. My dog's going ballistic. I must have like an Amazon package around or something. <laughs> um, is how much of that 
um, decision came down to like your new deal with Adidas Terex, right? So you were with Hoka for a while. You're now with Adidas. Again, I don't expect you to like break your NDA and start telling us like your specific <laughs> contract uh, details, but as much as you can, how much does the new deal give you leverage in this situation from a, uh, a work-life balance and running work balance? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a huge component of it for sure. Um, not, it's like, yes, like the deal itself, but just the psychological support as well in the infrastructure of the support of the team, like the team aspect it is big for me. Um, and how, yeah, like I'm here in Chamonix right now and I got to run with two of my teammates today. Um, and it made a world of a difference. And I could just imagine myself even a year from today or, or nearly a year from today when I was here at Mont Blanc Marathon and I was by myself, you know, doing these same runs. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a lot of it is Dita's. And then if my <laughs> decision matrix is from choosing whether to go to a race or not gives you any insight to how long this decision made uh, or took. Um, it was definitely a while. It probably was like, you know, a six to eight month process where I really was weighing the pros and the cons um, in collaboration with, you know, my now husband and my coach, um, just really, you know, talking through every possible scenario. I am a person who likes a lot of stability. I've been working since I could. Um, and so it, feel, it felt a little scary at first. Um, but then now that I'm here even just three weeks from quitting my job it hasn't even been a month yet uh i'm so happy that i i did and you know i know there's gonna i expect there to be tough times too um but at, at least for now i'm i'm very happy that i did <laughs> i think i'll be happy then i'm i'm ready for it to get tough at times i guess is what i'm saying too when you say get tough to me like physically or just like you know if if like maybe your career isn't progressing yeah, the way you if, want it to we just have like a tough couple months from like uh what's going on what's what's going on with my running kind of vibe it, yeah exactly um you know if i you know i haven't had a bad race uh when not having a job you know and so there's just a different there's an i'm trying not to think about it i guess in that way but there is that real aspect to it um, that there's a little bit more dependency on races um, in, in in somewhat of a way. I guess I'm going backwards because that's also part of the reason why I felt ready to do it because I feel not so much of that now. But I think it's, you know, it, not so much in, in the immediate, but in the future tense, yeah, certain performances right, will, right. Will, will lead to certain things. Um, so, yeah. Right. So it's not yeah. like you have like a lifetime deal. You can't be like, all right, yeah, I don't have to worry yeah, about exactly. that. Like, it's like yeah, this exactly. deal will end at some yeah. point, and I would like to have races that I've done well that I could point to. Be like, hey, you know, exactly. let's keep this thing going. Yeah. They're like, damn, Danny really went downhill. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's incredibly exciting, and I, I honestly would have not made this decision if I didn't have – 200% backing from my husband. So it's been great to have that support from him. Yeah, that definitely makes it easier. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Like I just remember like when I, and that, this is not a podcast about me, but I remember like when I left higher education, I worked in higher ed for like 15 years to go full-time with like the podcast and like also run coaching. It was kind of like two little like part-time jobs smooshed together to make a full-time job. It was yeah. like, what have I done this if I wasn't married? Like my wife's a teacher and like there's a certain like solidity with that with that profession, especially because she's like an unbelievable teacher. It's like, okay, like that does balance it out. You know what I yeah. mean? So which which is nice. Again, we have kids, which also you know, to make sure you have like a, a balance there with the the ink the, the revenue stream. Now, one of the things I remember when I think it was one of the first podcasts I listened to of yours, this was many years ago. Um, you had talked about like one of the things that really you know, helped you become better as a runner was that after you left college, it was like, it wasn't just all about running. Like, I think Stephanie Flippin has talked about this extensively. I know you're friends with her as well. Is that like when her first like eight years of running, like it was just like something she did when she was in medical school. And it was just to get out of the lab. Like there were nothing, it was nothing attached to it. Now you were someone who ran in college and it wasn't quite as like grassroots as Stephanie's situation. And, you know, you progress relatively quickly, you know, in trail and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and, you know, Jill Deering is looking like seeing your Strava segments and like bringing you on to rabbit and all that stuff. But at the same time, 
it was this holistic, like, hey, this is just part of my life now. It's not my whole my whole being here. Yeah. With like, all right, you're assigned with Adidas. You're not only just a professional, like this is like the main thing now. You're also doing the podcast stuff about running, about your same genre. How do you make sure that you keep that like good vibe wholesomeness that you've always exuded without being too like in your head about like running, running all the time and running only? Yeah, that's a really good question. That was probably one of the top three things that I thought about. Um, I don't know if I can exactly articulate it, but I think a leading thought was that I feel that I'm in such a better place like as a human than I was in college or post-college where I try... And I think it's coming more natural that I don't really dwell a lot. Like when I'm training, I'm training. And when I'm not training, I uh, really engage in other activities with like friends and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, I think maybe if you ask this question again, like before OCC, I'd be interested to see what I say, because it still feels pretty fresh, you know, only being like a couple weeks out. And I'd be interested... um, to see if I like start to take anything up. Uh, But I would say, yeah, like friends is probably the biggest thing right now is like, I (laughs) have gotten coffee with so many friends in the last three weeks than I probably have in like the last 10 to 12 months, just because I have that time. And a lot of my friends have unique schedules too, just depending on their, um, their jobs. Um, So I find that if anything, I'm leaning into my relationships that are outside of running uh, more. That's kind of what naturally is happening. But yeah, it was one of those things I was like, you know, I'm just going to see what happens, you know. And uh, I have the door of my business resume in that if I find that I'm swinging too heavy into running and I don't feel like it's a healthy balance anymore, I am totally open to going back to work. It's not like, okay it's a three, three year deal. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to work for three years and I'm just going to go all in. No, I'm, I'm completely open to, you know, actually I would like to start pick up some part-time project management or something like that. Yeah. All right, folks, get ready for the biggest virtual event ever in the world of sleep and fitness is the eight by eight by eight challenge presented by Lagoon beginning of course, on August 8th, right? 8-8. Got to do it on August 8th. Over the course of eight days, you'll run eight miles each day and be in bed for eight hours of sleep every night. So as your way of showing your commitment to fitness and to optimize your rest and your recovery. So just go to lagoonsleep.com slash eight by eight by eight. That's eight X eight X eight to get started. In addition to that, you also save 10% discount on all the stuff over at Lagoon Sleep. My Lagoon pillow is a godsend. It really is. I sleep so well on that thing. And it's just, it's easily the best pillow I've ever had. And it's obviously going to stand the test of time. It has a five-year guarantee. I mean, my goodness, this thing is an absolute game changer. So complete the challenge and share your journey to win exclusive prizes from Lagoon. So prove what you got when it takes, when it comes to sleep and fitness, and also see what you're capable of. That's what I'm so excited about this. See what you're capable of doing in eight days with the kind of sleep that comes with that. So again, that's lagoonsleep.com, eight by eight by eight to get started today. Now, speaking of Adidas, one of the things that you did recently was head down to Western States to be part of yes. you know, a crew down there and, and helping uh, someone who ran incredibly well uh, on that race course. Was that your first time in Western States? That was my second time. Uh, and it was actually pretty cool because the first time I went, I was actually supposed to pay someone from forest Hill. Uh, but then unfortunately they had to drop out. It was like one of the top three hottest years ever. A lot of people dropped out at forest Hill. Um, so I actually didn't get to pace And this year. I was set up again to pace from forest Hill to Rocky Chucky. And for those that don't Western don't know, Western States, a very, it is one of the biggest hundred mile races in the world, probably top three. Um, and it takes place, it starts in Lake Tahoe or Palisades, um, the ski resort, and you run to Auburn and it's a point to point. So it's fun because you start in the high country and then it gets hotter and hotter as you approach Auburn. And it's actually a net downhill 100 mile race. Uh, but of course, you're kind of rolling the With whole way down. With plenty of uphill. With plenty of uphill. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, 
And logistically, it is an interesting challenge for uh, some people in crews because, again, it's point to point. And some points, you know, you get there in 20 minutes. Some points takes you multiple hours to get to the next aid station. And then a really fun aspect of it, which I think is more common in the United States, is you could have pacers starting at usually for the front part of the group, mile 62. Um, But as you kind of work your way through the field, sometimes people can start earlier than that based on where they are in like the time cutoff. So some people get pacers starting at like halfway, um, which I think roughly is Michigan Bluff. And so, um, yeah, because I decided not to go to Mont Blanc Marathon, I was like, well, I know what race is happening three hours north of me. (laughs) I'd love to go and be a part of that, especially because uh, my team was going to have a really strong team presence. We had four athletes in the race uh, who all, you know, equally had the same chance to, um, you know, be in the top five, three, win, et cetera. And uh, yeah, luckily I was able to join. Um, and then my teammate, Janusz Kowalczyk, who is based out of Germany, texted me two weeks before when I had decided that I was not racing Montfort hey, um, I was wondering if you could pace me. I originally wasn't planning on a pacer, but I would really like a pacer for the stretch. Uh, So I jumped on that opportunity. Yes, I will happily pace you. Um, And yeah, he ended up getting 10th, which was such a a beautiful moment. A huge deal in in an epically fast year. Let me ask you, Danny Reno, you dropped, you you didn't, obviously, Mount Blanc Marathon didn't work for you. You go up north to pace. This was not one of those, hey, I'm just hanging on. Can you help me get to, you know, yeah. help me get to the river? <laughs> this was like people were throwing down coming out of Forest Hill, right? Like oh, yeah. Tom Evans, you know, split a 530 mile, I think, coming yeah. out of Forest Hill down Cal Street. Um, our friend Stephanie Flippin was at Forest Hill and I was texting with her when Courtney came through. And I was like, I see her on the screen. How fast is she going? She's like, I swear to God, she's running at least 630 pace coming out yes. of this aid station and like yes. so many other people were doing this as well. So talk to me about this experience of like, Hey, like you, you had to be ready to freaking roll out of Forest Hill. <laughs> yeah. I feel that if you talk to most, maybe there's a bias, let's say American trail ultra runners. Um, they'll tell you that the golden hour is one of the moments you shouldn't miss in your life. And for me, the second one, very close second, is if you ever have a chance to pace a friend, a family member, take it up. Um, because it's such a, I think it's it's one of the most beautiful metaphors of our sport in like the camaraderie, being out in the wilderness, depending on another person, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was so dang, I mean, I know the men are fast. And, um, you know, being a woman pacing a professional, one of the best men in the world was also just such a cool feeling. Um, but man, it never, it never goes past me how fast they're actually (laughs) moving. This is 62 miles into this race. And yeah, like you said, we were on four stalls, like we're running like 610 pace or 630 pace down this street at mile 62. And, you know, that's just past halfway. And the whole time we were running, I, w- I was ha- I knew what pace he wanted to go. And the whole time in my head, I was just thinking, man, we are, this is a run for me. I am not on like a recovery run or taking my time. Yeah, were you um, like doing leg swings before you got there? You're like, I got to yeah, get warmed I, up. Like, yeah, I got, I got warmed up and stuff because I was like, I don't know what we're going to do depending on how he's feeling because, um, you know, my recommendation to any pacer is, you know, meet with your athlete a couple days before because the day before they have so much going on. And so he gave me a range and the range. I was like, dang, we're either going to be throwing down six thirties or eight thirties, but eight thirties on trails is like, you're still moving quite fast, especially, you know, between the, the semi-technical terrain. And then you're also power hiking and running up hills. Um, so I knew I was, I needed to be ready to go regardless, but Anyways, it was incredible. He moved into 13th while I was pacing. And that was such a, a, a such a cool moment to be with him when we passed one of the runners. Um, and I have to say borderline comedic for me because I've never ran anything past six hours, 55K. And um, the past felt so slow-mo to me. But I'm like, to these guys, this has to feel insane to be passing someone right now. Um, and that that was such a cool moment. I'm really glad I, I got to, you know, witness that 
Um, and then, yeah, and then he ran himself into 10th on his own the the last 20 miles. Um, and that was in, uh, or the last 10 miles, sorry, apologies. Um, and yeah, it was so cool watching him come in and, and be elated. It, it, yeah, I can go on and on about it. It was, it was so cool. <laughs> what were your takeaways from the race? Either... Um, people's performances, um, the state of you know, trail ultra running in general, just how people are preparing. You know, Tom Evans, uh, someone who's on the Diasteric team, just like you, has not been shy about sharing like what he tries to do in preparation for these races, and he seems to be taking um, basically every kind of advantage he can take from other sports to try to learn what he can best do to optimize his own performance on race day and uh, and in training. So. I guess just generally speaking, I guess this is kind of learning. I'm kind of leaning on your own podcasting history now that you have your own podcast. And I'm sure you've done this, this exact same conversation over on the Subhub. But like, what did you learn coming out of that weekend um, that will stick with you and or will inform some of your own training decisions? Yeah, there was definitely a couple of things. Um, one, uh, just being part of a team, you know, in my case, Team Terex, how beneficial that is. Uh, I would, I mean, when I was sitting there and I was talking to our athletes, I was just eating up everything I possibly could because, you know, Tom gets a lot of recognition, respectfully so, and a lot of, we'll just call it TV time. Like he gets interviewed a lot and stuff like that, but our other three athletes that are there, they are as professional. And so mm-hmm. I would just be sitting in the living room, asking them all these questions and, you know, it was it was cool to be, I'm on this team. And, you know, they say you're the average of who you're, you're surrounded by. I was like, if I'm even less than average, (laughs) I'm very good hands, especially when I decide to, you know, eventually do these longer races. Um, so that was cool. Just like the, the power of having a team. Um, and that, you know, came from being around my teammates, but also the, the support that we have and like our team managers were there and the marketing team was there and comms was there and like just all these different components. And then I would say that's tangent to when I was there, I was like, dang, this sport is, you know, it's growing, but at big marquee events like that, I think it's where it's most visible and Nike was just giving out free shoes and t-shirts, you know, and we're there and we're crushing in like every brand is visible in some sort of way. And you're, it's, it's real. Like there's so much investment in the sport and it's cool to have that. Um, and then the performances, I mean, we're jaw dropping, watching Courtney come through. You're just thinking, there's no way, how is this happening right now? And I remember feeling that similarly uh, last year, uh, actually with one of my teammates now, uh, Petter Angle, he was running in front of CCC and I just saw glimpses of him and you're just like, no way. Same with the woman's winner, Blondine. No way this is happening. And then it happens. Uh, Killian too in the UTMB. I feel like any race that happened last year, UTMB week. Um, and when it happens, it's like a mix of Uh, curiosity and disbelief and then after it settles down you're like no like run like the endurance space and trail running is just getting that good and people like Courtney are making the unbelievable believable so then you suddenly like believe in yourself um so it definitely was like a waterfall of inspiration of this sport is like just starting because I think I say just starting because now people are being given the resources to have the time or have there's more science being backed behind these ultra events and stuff like that. Um, so I still feel like we're just scratching the surface and that to me is very exciting. That's a great point because it is such a time intensive sport, but it's not a sport that pays a full-time salary for, I think Jeff Stern as part of his ultra runner mag, ultra runner mag or something like that. Uh, he, he published a bunch of stuff on, athlete compensation right and it kind of did all these fascinating pie charts about how much people were getting paid by their their primary sponsors and things like that again it wasn't it wasn't news to people who were kind of like connected to the sport but it was like hey like someone says they're a pro it doesn't mean they're getting like a full-time they're getting a full-time living wage out of the sport it just means they're like being paid by a professional company um 
And it was an interesting thing, especially when you say, all right, like say 85% of people make less than $20,000 a year from their primary sponsors. How do you juxtapose that with like, hey, it also takes 20 hours a week to do the running part. How am I going to do that in conjunction with getting, you know, a full-time salary from somewhere else? So I'm not going to get it from my sponsors. So that also gets tricky, which brings me to what you just mentioned about like, hey, the investment of, on this is so necessary because there's no way, especially if you're someone who's specializing in these hundreds, to like have the time to do this if you're also spending 40, 50 hours a week at a job and being able to like, again, burn the candle at both ends for years on end that necessitates these kinds of performances. Definitely. I think uh, just because, you know, I just am recently on the other end of the wall or the other side of the wall in that I don't think that un I don't think that inspiring performances aren't possible if you work a job. But I do think that if you another job. I keep trying to work on this because running is also a job for anyone that doesn't know. Oh yeah. It takes a lot of time. Um but and the recovery yeah. counts. You can't you can't just like skip over the recovery side. You can't be like, all right, like I ran and I'm and now I'm working to my best capacity at your job. It's like, no, I'm tired, dude. <laughs> exactly. I'm right now. Yeah. And it was really eye-opening to me when um I went to my Sedona camp this February and it was the first time that I'd ever not worked during training. I've only ever not worked for a race. And in that one week, my mind and eyes were opened so wide because I was, I felt so good <laughs> compared to how I normally feel day to day. And I just left the week thinking that was just one week. Imagine if I had four weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks where I'm able to keep my body together. I'm not just like tired all the time or thinking about, oh, I need to be done by 6.30 because I have a call at seven. I need to be done by X time, like this constant rush um, or feel feeling of feel, like I'm being rushed, um, I think was the most tiring over time. Um, but I will say that all this all with an asterisk that you, I think in order to be the most optimized professional, you have to have a really healthy relationship with the sport. Just because you have more time doesn't mean that needs to be your focus 24-7 or that you need to increase your training load by 15-20%. Um, and I feel that for me personally, and maybe another all a bunch of athletes feel like this too, is that um, even just three years ago, I probably wasn't in the space that I am now. <laughs> 